need nothing, appreciate everything, have it all. Welcome to the podcast that helps you architect your most self-authorized, productive, and fulfilled life. Join action philosopher Jesse Elder on a journey to greater joy, freedom, and wealth of every kind as he shares insights gained from the leading edge of liberated living. The hardest part is accepting just how easy success can be. And now, Jesse. Hey, it's Jesse, and welcome back to the podcast, or welcome, this is your first time. And today, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, It's been so incredible getting uh, emails and messages and seeing some of the reviews and and just getting feedback on this particular format. And so I'm really appreciative of what you've uh, shared and the role that you play in this. And today, we're going to do something uh, a little bit different. You know, there, there's a lot of uh, activity on social media, Facebook and Instagram, and there's things that I've shared there that have been a little bit more on the art side, on the poetry side. And there's a, a deeper philosophy that runs through some of these things. And so what I figured we'd do today is I would share a few pieces that have uh, have gotten some good traction and that people have been interested in and do it here in this more intimate uh, audio format. And the reason why I'm feeling inspired to do this is because Candidly, I had a lot of resistance when some of these more personal writings uh, came out. You know, I would be journaling, and and sometimes after a really tough time, I would I would get my own thoughts organized through through this sort of art form. And I remember the first time that I posted it on Facebook, and I really felt vulnerable. I thought, oh man, you know, this is not the typical teaching thing. This is not the the workshop leader. This is not the coach. This is the human being who just had some heartbreak going on, or this is the you know this is the guy that just experienced a lot of sadness and was kind of processing it through this mode of of writing. And as soon as I realized that I was resisting that this little little thing in me kicked in and said, dude, you have to post it. If you're feeling kind of vulnerable, you have to post it. So with that being said, I'm going to share a few uh, a few things that, that have uh, been written over the last few years. And I hope that you find some value in it. And perhaps if nothing else, maybe some inspiration to process your own thoughts and your own feelings, not just in your own mind and inside, but get it out, get it out in writing, get it out through photography, uh, photography, through music, uh, through conversation with other people. And uh, with that being said, let's just launch right in. This one was actually created uh, not too long ago, a couple of days ago at the time of this recording. And this one is about the quest for meaning. The quest to find meaning is fruitless. There isn't any. Not prepackaged, anyway. This perfect life is perfectly blank and waiting for the fresh arrival of our soul's art expressed through the fulfillment of wishes, dreams, and desires come true. So, what will you create? If you desire clarity, then stop pretending not to know. If you desire courage, then stop pretending you have anything to fear. If you desire strength, then stop pretending that you are weak. If you desire certainty, then stop pretending you have anything to be confused about. If you desire freedom, then stop resisting commitment. If you desire plenty, 
then stop preparing for lack. If you desire money, then make peace with plenty in every form. If you desire focus, then stop allowing it to be fractured by things not essential. If you desire knowledge, then stop pretending you're ignorant. If you desire health, then stop observing what lacks it. If you desire light, then stop resisting the dark. If you desire joy, then stop placing conditions on its presence. And if you desire life, then stop pretending death exists. You are born a creator. The question is, will you live as one? When that particular piece was written, a theme that kept coming up in a lot of my meditation and, and conversation with friends and, and clients is this whole idea that you never don't know. You know, in other words, if, if we say, well, you know, I don't know what I want. Well, that's, that's a direction of focus. But what if deep down you really do know what you want? You're just not used to <laughs> telling yourself that. Uh, in, in my own experience, when I was running the martial arts schools, there was plenty of days that I was feeling tired and fatigued. And, but I just realized, you know what? What if this is just a direction of focus? What if I'm just getting used to telling myself I'm burned out, I'm tired? Yeah, you can take care of yourself and hydrate and eat better and exercise, but ultimately it comes down to directing your mind. And so I just stopped telling myself that I'm tired and just began to act as if I had more energy and started to lead my own mind with more enthusiasm. And then my body would follow. Next thing you know, I wouldn't be tired. And I had that experience happen so many times that I just stopped believing that, uh, that I couldn't guide myself. And so that, uh, all, all of those, those little pieces sort of came, came from that. Here's one that, uh, I, I actually don't remember when this happened. It was a few years ago. And the theme of free will choice continues to resonate. And this one's about self-authorization. Your soul will always seek the fullest expression of life's pulse out into the world. Resisting this causes pain. Releasing it brings joy. And the choice to do either one is always with you. You did not come here to repeat or repair or repent. You came here to feel, to follow your own unique signal, and in doing so, to craft a life that is so sweetly and so sublimely your own personal creation. Sharing this creation makes the ride that much richer and deeper. So, why not share yourself without hesitation or fear? For there's simply no need to be afraid of friends. And that is who we really all are anyway. Players in the same unlimited game. Sometimes choosing roles which seem to oppose. But underneath the surface of personality, and just past the veil of values, and the insistent human addiction to being right, there is a wellspring of common substance from which we all arise and to which we will all return. So while we are here, 
and it seems to me that the best way to invest this thing we call time is in sharing, shining, and showing our light, while allowing the shine of others to illuminate, each according to their own essence. And then, at the end of this beautiful, tender, and sometimes savage ride, we can all meet up later in some place, or maybe it's a non-place, and we can tell stories of the humans that we were and the light that we chose to shine while we were here. When, uh, whenever I consider the, the, the last parts of that, you know, no matter how much friction I might be experiencing or observing, um, man, I, I just feel that just melt away and it, it sort of brings a, a deeper energy and, and deeper presence to, to whatever's happening. Some of these writings, um, well, quite a few of them actually have, have been inspired in dealing with pain, uh, dealing with moments or, or phases of loneliness or isolation the road hasn't always been so uh, fun and so easy. And during those pockets of pain, I found it really useful to get it out of my mind and just let it flow. And so this particular one happened during a moment in my life when I was experiencing a lot of isolation. And yet I was also very close to somebody that I experienced a, a deep bond with. And so I was really feeling a lot of, uh, I was feeling a lot of pain at, at wanting to be close to somebody and yet not feeling close and not feeling the same sort of reciprocation and just being a little bit on different frequencies. So this was written, uh, I was actually walking around downtown one morning. It was very early and, uh, my heart was, was pretty heavy and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to process this. So this is what, uh, this is what came out. A terrible and noble quest love is to resonate with a stranger's smile deeper than with the one sitting next to you whom you've waited a lifetime to meet. This is to know a very special sort of pain. Unmatched frequencies creating unmet feelings True expression of self is a must, since it is essential for the soul's survival in the body. Yet, to share deeply, without reciprocation, invites a certain horrid hollowness, as some cavern spawns once again inside, and a dreaded familiar emptiness returns. Can one who feels invisible still bear the gift of sight and seeing to wield the potency of witness and beam light onto their beloved? To be loving without being loved is to place oneself on a rack stretched to the point of breaking, only to find that space opening infinitely wider inside an empty, 
hurting heart cries out quietly for its counterpart, equivalent energy and heat and light, so that the rendered agony of isolation's touch may be tamed. Yet, on the stretching goes, unable to shutter the soul's explosion, unwilling to quench the heart's fire, still it persists, the ever-present absence of that which fulfills. To be loving without being loved, one must agree to hold the burning space and allow some other power in. Eventually, from the void, up through some timeless well, finally comes a cavalry of sorts. Born from I know not where, seeping, then streaming, then coursing, and finally a torrent of relief rushes that which is longed for. An opening arrives and splashes upon inner shores, bringing welcome meaning and a peaceful calm to this whole twisted game. Another moment passes. The invisible heart beats its sacred song. An artist seeking some willing canvas upon which to enrich a gift that will not only be received, but returned with a smile. And until then, the knowing that love always is the omnipotent frequency awaiting command, boundless grace ready to swoop and pounce and wrap us up into its tender grasping glory. This then is the prize for the prisoner's pain, the moments of torturous stretch and unmet need forge a space which may now contain the fruit and seed of every wish, the fulfillment of every desire, and the canvas upon which the dream of being met and seen and soothed, being received and wanted and desired and matched, a merging of souls and the mingling of missions may at last a reality be. I can vividly remember being surrounded by these skyscrapers as the sun was coming up and finished writing that, uh, that piece and, and feeling peace, you know, having, having explored the pain of that, of that gap and explored the pain of that loneliness and the, and the feeling of not having traction, you know, having so much to give and not having a place to, for it to land and then acknowledging it and honoring it, not bypassing it or trying to ignore it, just feeling it. And then the feeling dissipated and, and sure enough, that love and that light and that energy started to come back and man, then you're just left with all this expanded capacity to feel and to, and not just to feel bad, but the, the bad feeling just goes away. It's just a channel. It's like a, 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 you know, you're listening to a song on, on some app and there's a song you don't like, so you don't have to keep listening to it. Eventually you realize, oh, I can change the channel. And so that's what, uh, that writing did for me. And, uh, I hope you, hope you enjoyed it. This, uh, this next one, 
talks about negative self-talk and how easy it is to, you know, be our own worst critic and uh, perhaps some other, some other ways that we can, can be with that. This one's a little bit, a little bit shorter. Here we go. How easy it is to be an expert in self-criticism, holding oneself to impossible standards, normalizing the obscene pressures of attempted perfection in the relentless pursuit of enoughness. How quick we can be to sucker punch our own psyche with abuse, hurtling harsh words into our own brains, violent vocabularies which we'd never dream of launching at a friend. When will this abuse of self ever end? Do you know how easy it really is to extend the exact same empathy to ourselves that we so quickly extend to a hurting friend? How fast the sigh of release when we dare to love ourselves the way that we wish others would let us love them. To judge less, to love more, starts within, and it begins to overflow rapidly through the smile that peeks out from behind a weary gaze, or the tears that stream down from kind and caring eyes onto your beautiful face. Your soul is holding its breath and waiting for the exhale of love planted and bloomed. Now is the chance to change and grant yourself the mandatory luxury of a deep and more loving connection with you. So often there's a desire to seek outside ourselves for those things, those feelings, those connections. And yet nobody can love us more than we allow ourselves to receive and to actually love ourselves. We're going to continue with this, uh, this theme of, of the heart here, and then we'll, uh, we'll go in a direction of productivity and action for, uh, for those of you that are, that are ready for that ride. Uh, this also came uh, in the reflection of relationship and just how deeply it's possible to feel. And this is a poem about resilience. The resilient heart is far from hardened. Quite the opposite, in fact. The resilient heart is one that has borne the brief flash of cracking open in the heat of love's endless advance. As a pinecone releases a shower of seeds in the forest's fire, so does the heart's radiant frequency become amplified through the fresh new capacity to receive and to transmit. This is the natural, inexorable, and inevitable result of an intelligent surrender in willing partnership with the laws of this universe. The heart which has been pained, strained, and stretched through expectations unmet or desires unfulfilled. This heart has simply connected with the extreme privileges of an advanced perspective that only experience can bring. It is this perspective which allows transcendence of suffering. 
for the heart cannot be broken. It may only be muted by a mind that resists an expansion which cannot cease. Love is not an object nor a prize to be won. Love is not some rare commodity to be bartered or sold, nor chased after or fought for or hoarded. Love is a frequency, a current of ever-present energy that cannot be unfelt in its infinite supply. The mind which resists this presence can indeed create the illusion of suffering, but the heart itself cannot be separated from its home signal any more than the sun can prevent light and heat from bursting forth out into every direction. To feel this signal, even in the face of pain's illusory appearance, is an act of beauty and strength unmatched in the human experience. To feel for, to find, and then to allow the expansion of love to be more fully experienced as a welcomed reality, especially in the midst of pain. This is to master life itself. The amount of powers that we have available to us, the amount of energy that we always have access to, just on the other side of guiding our minds willfully and deciding what direction we want to focus on. You know, it doesn't always feel easy. It's not always fun. You know, it's so much easier sometimes to just drift right back into the known comfort of melancholy or sadness or even stuff like depression and, and you know, anxiety or panic attacks. I mean, this is a reality for so many people. I've experienced moments of this myself. Some of those moments lasted for months. But as I recognized the, the power of my own mind and my ability to choose, I recognized that this is, this is where the work is. The, doing the work doesn't mean just you know, pushing buttons and pulling levers and writing code or talking to people. That may be the external action, but the real work is choosing which direction you want to trend, which direction you're going to willfully bring yourself We'll do uh, one more deeper one, and then we'll get into the, the action world. Doing okay? Um, I'm just imagining you there with, you know, maybe your favorite beverage or something, or maybe you're on a little road trip. Maybe you're just out, out for a walk. So thanks for being here. Let's continue. This is a few years old at the time of this recording. And uh, this came after... If I remember correctly, I think I had just gone on a really decent walk. It was probably like five, six miles. It was pretty late at night. I, I think I was traveling somewhere. Yeah, I, I wasn't in Texas. I, I was overseas, I think in Europe. And I was, I was on this late night walk. And at, at the end of the walk, I was just feeling so full of uh, awareness. You know, I was just feeling, I had, it was one of those full spectrum moments, you know, when you realize kind of how much life you've lived and, uh, I was just filled with so much appreciation uh, for the the ability to choose, you know, the, the ability to choose in every moment what it is that you want to feel. So here we go. I have experienced a sadness so deep that in that moment, dying didn't seem like such a bad idea. I've also been so happy that my body shook like a roller coaster and the entire universe suddenly made perfect sense. I felt so confused and overwhelmed that dropping to my knees 
and screaming at the night sky was the only thing left to do. And I've felt so much love that light itself coursed through my cells and tissues, ripping me in new capacity for more that has never left. This is a full-spectrum life, and we are actually indestructible. We have thoughts, but we are not those thoughts. We have feelings, but we are not those feelings. We have jobs and businesses and projects, but we are not them. We have relationships, but we are not those relationships. We have bodies, but we are not these bodies. Exploring who and what we are is an exercise worthy of our time and our energy. You are here for reasons unique to you. You are here to experience and to express something beautiful, to feel whatever you choose. Just remember that it's all a choice and you are in control right now, as always. One shifted thought, one shifted movement at a time. This uh, choice (laughs) that we're always making, sometimes consciously, sometimes unconsciously, uh, can never not be. And, you know, it's, it's, I guess, kind of fashionable lately to, you know, there's so much science backing up the, you know, this idea that you're not in control, you know, that your brain's already decided what you're going to do seven seconds before you become aware of the thought and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know what? There's going to be evidence to back up whatever lens somebody's looking through. And for people that choose not to believe in free will, <laughs> I guess they're free to believe that. <laughs> but for people who see the value in your own agency, see the value in making new choices and in shifting your thoughts, There's plenty of evidence to show that this is the case. Then this is, in my experience, a very useful philosophy. I might not be able to control the thought that I have right now, but I can certainly control the next one. I can certainly choose the next one. And, um, you know, I I always think about the experiences that I've had uh, out on the road uh, on the motorcycle. You know, I've got a a bike that I, a new bike that I picked up a couple months ago. And I, it's just so beautiful being out there on the road and I could just feel the, the curve of the road. And as I'm leaning the bike, what I love is that feeling of pull. You know, I'm steering in the direction of the road because that seems like a smart idea, but I could feel the pull of where I was. You know, as I'm leaning into the turn, I can feel myself being pulled to the outside of the curve because that's the previous momentum. That's the direction I was going, but I'm willing the bike and willing myself in the direction of the curve, in the direction of the turn. And as I dig into that turn, I, I personally love the feeling of accelerating through the turn. That increases the actual pull that you're feeling in the direction you were going but it also increases the power and the energy with which you can lean in the direction you want to where you want to go. And as a, as a motorcyclist, that is the thrill. It's not just in the speed. It's in feeling the, the connection between where you were and where you want to go. And I think this is exactly how it works emotionally. You know, you may be feeling bad. You may be feeling overwhelmed or fearful or whatever. But hey, that's the momentum of previous thought. In fact, your interpretation of an event is what's creating stress, not the event itself. 
I'm telling you, there's a version of you that's already trained and practiced and resilient and focused and even more loving and more confident, more powerful and more badass. And that version of you has already been through this stuff and doesn't see it as a big deal. In fact, might even love the same thing that you might be afraid of right now. So it's not the event. It's your preparation. It's your resilience. It's your level of power that you're bringing into it. And that level of power is always a choice to embrace or evade. But it's always, always a choice. This is uh, not really a poem, but it is a piece of philosophy that has served me uh, quite deeply and actually forms a, a big part of the, a lot of the work that I get to do with clients and with people in our community. And uh, it really comes down to a, a very fundamental choice. You know, there's so many things to be afraid of in this world. And, and we don't need to get into all the, you know, the reasons du jour. And you probably, if you even have the technology to listen to this, you're probably getting messages every single day that are fearful and scary and very serious looking people telling you about all the horrible things that are happening. And you know what? Before you begin to give your attention to any particular message, whether it's a message of hope or a message of worry, whether it's a message of opportunity or a message of fear, you're actually making a meta choice, a master choice. And that is to see the world uh, either as a good place that's getting better or have you chosen to see the world as a scary place that's getting worse? That's the master choice and you'll find plenty of evidence to support either one. There is no actual way that it is. No one person can know how it is. So it just depends on what is going to help you to be the best possible version. So that's the uh, basis of this next piece. Here we go. Before you can see the world accurately, you must know first if you have decided to look through a lens of contraction or expansion, of fear or of love, of guilt and shame or growth and clarity. Because no information makes it to your mind for analysis and expression without first passing through this door. It is your choice, then, to interpret the world as bad and getting worse, or good and getting better. And there is a war for your mind being waged through images and screens and scrolling texts, in the pictures and words hurled at you by businesses and organizations, some of whom masquerade as good Samaritans, for many of whom you are simply a source of revenue. So stand guard at the gate of your mind. For unless you practice a firm and consistent questioning of authority, viewing the information hurtling at you through a lens of your own choosing, your gentle, loving heart and your perfect, curious mind may just become a sacrificial lamb on the altar of someone else's agenda. This concept of mind share guiding people's behaviors, guiding people's values and beliefs is a uh, very big business. And it's been practiced for thousands, perhaps uh, hundreds of thousands of years. And in fact, there's very few things more threatening to these organizations and to uh, a lot of companies and, you know, perhaps even, even deeper, more traditional organizations. There's a, nothing more scary to them 
than an individual who possesses self-authorization, somebody who cannot be told what to think, somebody who observes the world skeptically with optimism. This is a very unique combination. It's very easy to be skeptical and become a cynic. It's also very easy to be optimistic and, and jump onto the team that you think is going to win. But to continually refresh your own mental browser, to continually decide, hey, I see all these people getting all excited about this thing, or I see all these people getting afraid of this thing. But you know what? I actually don't know. I'm observing their emotions, but I'm not particularly excited about being swayed by other people's emotions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what I think about this. And this requires courage. You know, it really, really requires a lot of, uh, a lot of energy. Um, uh, and it requires <laughs> really just you deciding that you're in charge of your life. And this means that you're not seeking approval from others. This means that you're not terribly afraid of disapproval from other people. And that is a rare person indeed. But if you can do that, if you can, can, allow yourself to be the boss of you, if you can allow yourself to just make your own choices, then, uh, man, things, things have a way of really opening up. You start to see opportunities that you didn't see before, and you begin to have confidence, more clarity, and a lot more energy, and just this natural enthusiasm because you just don't take yourself so seriously. You actually can make mistakes faster because you're not so worried about other people judging you. And, uh, man, that's, that's when things start to move, move pretty quickly. So let's get into uh, a couple more here. This was a piece that was written uh, at the end of 2017, and it was inspired in part by a uh, sort of a random encounter that I had. I was in a coffee shop and I was really in the zone. I was just writing and, and connecting with friends and working with the clients uh, on, on a project that, that we were going to do together. And I was just in the zone. You know, I had my headphones on and I was rocking out this music. And uh, somebody came in who I had met on a sort of professional basis. And he's, he's a, a very good dude, like just a good hearted guy. And he also has really learned to play the social game of networking. You know, that game where you... You know, you come up and, and you just like want to shake hands and pat you on the back and talk about immediately business and what do you do and all of this. And, and, uh, he was very excited. He walked in, he saw me and I had the headphones on and I was like, oh man, I don't want to be rude at the same time. I'm kind of in the zone here, man. Headphones mean do not disturb. That's like sort of universal coffee shop language, <laughs> but he came up. And so he was standing right next to me. So I took the headphones off and I stood up and he was introducing me to this other guy. And then he starts telling this dude who I never met before. And they were obviously working on some big deal. He starts telling this other guy about me and he says, oh man, let me tell you about Jesse. And he goes on for like two minutes and I'm thinking, in my kind of crude brain, bro, you don't even know me. And I became aware of the fact that he was talking about me and my adventures and all the things that I do. And it kind of was like, look how cool my friends are to this other guy. And I'm like, oh, this just feels gross. And, you know, I was just observing it. I'm like, okay, that's, you know, I guess whatever. But at the same time, it just didn't feel authentic. You know, it didn't feel right. And I don't know if you've ever been in an exact situation like that, but I didn't like it. And, and, uh, you know, we finally, they, they went off to do their big business deal with the rest of the, the guys in the suits and the, and the neckties, and they're all in their coffee shop and they've got their spreadsheets. And that's great. Look, I love 
the efficiency of all of these structures that allow things to happen. I have a massive amount of respect for that. But I also recognize that so much of that is built on old machinery, old structures. It's built on, you know, the powers that were. <laughs> it's these sort of crumbling systems that are being replaced by things that are uh, moving a lot faster. And, you know, you can be a freelancer now. You don't have to go and work in a company. And if you want to work for a company, it better be a place that values your well-being and devalues your humanity and your freedom and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, this is the piece that was written on the heels of that little, uh, little interaction. And, uh, the title of this one is average is not safe. I urge you to be gently and respectfully dangerous to the status quo for they will benefit mightily from being confronted by the adventure of your refusal to conform. If you think average means safe, you're not paying very much attention. I have found that I am happiest when I fit in with the weird ones, those different, sweet, and savage souls who have chosen to be unique notes in the song of life, those who follow some silent and invisible signal known only to them, not the same constrained monotony of mangled chords which the suppression of spirit strangles out quietly in a sea of manipulative meetings and loosened neckties denoting faux freedom. These are costumes meant to hold up customs and long-dead antiquities such as promised retirement, centralized control, and treating people as fodder in the decaying machine of manufactured needs, customers consumed in the dying gasps of a crumbling system. Freedom isn't free, but it is simple, requiring only the constant choice to move against the enormous social gravity of a society filled with the buzzing momentum of drones and a few weakly held positions that are soon to expire. Follow the song of your soul, that soundless hum that whispers inside your heart and deep in your gut. It knows your reason for being here, and it will show you the way if you let it. If I may humbly make a suggestion, stop chasing, for you are the prize. Stop controlling, for surrender contains more freedom than you can right now imagine. Start listening to yourself and to others and to what this planet can tell you. Start moving, for movement is life. And be responsibly dangerous. Because in a world of dulled conformity, this is the only way to advance. When that piece was first uh, written and released, um, it, it was it was really cool to see the messages and and comments on social media, and some people actually printed that out and made a like a poster of it and put it up in their work or their in their home office, and uh, and what I heard from a lot of people is that the, the idea of not conforming has for them has sort of had this rebellious feel, 
you know, like you're, you know, you're, you're, you're doing something wrong if you don't do what everybody else is doing. But that particular piece really just speaks more towards creativity and to being your own person. And if you love wearing a suit and a tie and you love looking the part, then man, rock it out. That's a fun avatar to, to have. I've really enjoyed my time in that space and I still do, but I enjoy seeing it as a game. You know, I, I enjoy seeing it as, uh, as, as theater. I don't take it seriously and I don't um, particularly take seriously those who take it seriously, if that makes sense. For those people that are so hung up on the way success has to look, man, immediately I find myself in those environments and I already start to feel a little irreverent and kind of feel some mischief coming on. Like, I think this place needs a, uh, an antigen so that some new antibodies can be developed. I'm going to give you one more. Uh, this is absolutely my, my personal views um, on a, a particular thing that society uses to keep time and to use time. And uh, I, I mean this with absolute respect for anybody who chooses to uh, participate in this. I personally do not. And this, uh, this piece will explain why. This will be our last, last piece for today. This one is about wearing a watch. Uh, I've not worn a watch in years. Um, I've enjoyed wearing a Rolex and some nice watches in my time. But as I understood time a little bit differently and I began to experience time differently, uh, if you've not listened to the time piercing episode, that might be a, a useful one to check out if you're curious. But uh, I stopped wearing a watch, and this one, this one explains why. Once again, uh, with all respect to people who love watches, I have some of my best friends in the world who collect watches, who love them, the artistry, the craftsmanship, the, what it represents. So from that perspective, I have tons and tons of respect. Um, but in terms of time, I won't wear a watch, and here's why. I wear no watch. For to me, this is the symbol of enslavement to a most insidious virus of the human psyche, time. There are those who claim to wear such probationary devices as a representation of respect, mindfulness, and priority, or of valuing this thing that is considered so precious, time. Yet it only takes one look at some of these faces, with furrowed brow and nervously shifting energy to see that they are motivated by fear. Fear of not doing enough. Fear of not being somewhere else. Fear of lack. Fear that somewhere else is better than here. And underneath it all, what is perhaps the deepest mental disorder known to humans the fear of death as an ever-present reminder of their assumed mortality inside the shackle on their wrist presence is distorted displaced and diminished the watch enforcer of humankind's innermost fears so i choose not to wear such a device being quite content with this moment and keenly aware that this moment, with all its fertile unfoldings and abundant mysteries, this moment, with all of its relentless opportunities and boundless gifts, this moment 
is always enough. Your relationship with time and clocks and watches is a uniquely personal one and one which it's not my place to correct or to advise. What I've experienced in my life is that the less I pay attention to time and where I'm going to be later, just knowing that it's naturally going to flow, knowing that I'll show up to wherever I've agreed to be, but not having to think about it, not being keenly aware of how many minutes left before I need to leave this place. As I've released my attachment to the clock, I've found that every moment actually fills up more and more and more. And I begin to feel more presence and I start to see more that I was missing when my mind is occupied with hurrying up or slowing down, you know, racing toward the future or trying to grab on to the, the past. So as with all of this, I'm sure you'll take this for what it's worth. And I hope that today was intriguing for you, perhaps interesting. And this um, flow of words, while I found it useful in my own growth and in my own evolution, um, it, you know, it may or may not be your uh, proverbial cup of tea. But I do invite you to look at how you might process some of your own thoughts and your own feelings whether it's through writing or through reflection or maybe music or art, you know, just pursuing a simple pastime, like uh, learn to take good pictures. You know, that's a skill. You're not born with it. You just learn, learn to do it, learn to play a musical instrument, maybe sing in the shower a little bit more. I mean, there's so many things that we can do to open up our own creativity and to open up our own sense of who and what we actually are. And, you know, you don't need to do that to get something. You do it because it just feels right and it feels good. And I don't know what that is for you. Um, but it's part of, part of my intention in sharing all this with you today that maybe it reminds you that you've got your own art and that uh, you are an artist. So we can use logic to get stuff done, but logic is an app. It's not the OS. And in fact, you are continually wielding a brush with an perhaps infinite palette of colors on a canvas that is given to you every day of your life. When you wake up, that canvas is blank and you get to paint whatever masterpiece your beautiful mind can envision. So thanks for tuning into this. Um, if you have comments, questions, uh, anything that this has stimulated you to, to do, then please send us an email to this. Uh, you know, I may not read it right away, but send us an email, connect at jessielder.com. And I would love to hear what you say. Also, for those of you that have taken the time to leave a rating or review, this is so uh, useful for me to see what's resonating with you. And it's helping to develop new content that is as fresh and as relevant as possible. So thanks for staying tuned. Thanks for being a part of this. And I'll see you on the next one. Take care. Thank you.